few weeks ago, I went to see a man named Al Bagnoli. He's a college football coach, legendary in some circles, for leading his team, the Penn Quakers, to nine Ivy League titles. Well, the Quakers used to be his team. This fall, he's working with someone new. This is Al Bagnoli, head football coach, Columbia University. We met in a conference room in the Columbia Athletic Center. This building looks like part of a space station from the future that broke off and landed in uptown Manhattan. In the work bag at my feet, a copy of Football for Dummies. My producer said I should hide it at the bottom. This new job with Columbia, Bagnoli sees it as a management challenge, and it's big. What we're trying to do here is no different than a company that's gone bankrupt and it's been bought by somebody and they're coming in there with a new management team. And how do you get that business to be solvent? And then how do you get it to be profitable? Bagnoli is 62 years old. He's a compact man with a commanding presence, face of a Roman senator in a Technicolor film. In the last decade, he never lost more than four games in a row. But the team he's now coaching, the Columbia Lions, well, they've lost 21 games in a row. Bagnoli's job is to help the Lions break that losing streak. My name is Ilya Meritz. Hello and welcome to this season. It's about winning, losing, and what it takes to change the score. The last three years, it wasn't really what I expected of from coming to this school, like winning-wise, athletically. But uh, that's in the past. I mean, this is the first year where I feel like nobody's able to make any excuses and everybody has, like, the most to look forward to. Obviously, never forget the feeling of winning, and that's, that's what we're trying to get back to here is winning. Toba Akinlie, Cam Molina, and Nick Durham. All Lions, all seniors. Right now, this fall, they're looking at just 10 opportunities to get a win before they have to hang up their helmets and look for jobs. If you're a freshman, like Brandon Kersillik, things look a little different. He's learning how to be a Lion. My coach particularly doesn't like her hands on her hips, so that's a habit I had to break like the first first day. But uh, like like I'm doing right now. Like you're doing right now, exactly. <laughs> He'd be like, "Take your hands off your hips. You look tired." And then we're not supposed to look tired. So, Columbia is part of the Ivy League, and this term Ivy League, people use it to mean intellectual or elitist or classic, but it turns out the Ivy League is an actual league. It's a sports league, and football has always been at the heart of it. One thing I've noticed about Ivy League football players, a lot of them have these two very strong traits. Traits which, when you combine them in one person, can sometimes be a little bit disorienting. A, they are super smart academic achievers. And B, they really enjoy controlled violence. Why do you love football? There's no sport like it. Um, what, what you do on the field really isn't legal in most places. Uh, and that's, that's the part I like, is the hitting. This is Nick Durham. He's a senior from Ohio who got a 35 on his ACT college entrance exam. That's the second highest possible score. I'm a tight end. And these days are a lot, of, a lot of receiving tight ends, but I'd much rather go out there and block and hit people and, you know, get a little dirty. But, uh, yeah, that's why I love just the physicality of it. And basically you find out who, who's the bigger man, really. Nerds who like hitting people or scholar-athletes, as the universities prefer to call them. Being a team means doing things together, meals, practice, wearing the same uniforms. But this army is made up of individuals, and each man has his quirks. Why did each of you pick Columbia? Uh, I chose Columbia, actually. Um, I mean, 
Honestly, I'm going to tell you the honest truth. Why I picked them over Princeton is I like the powder blue. So that's what it came down to. <laughs> and I like the visit more. So that's what it came down to at the end. This is Nico Padilla, a senior defensive lineman, six foot one, 294 pounds. Uh-huh. So seriously, the color pale blue. Yeah, I actually really liked it. It's my favorite color. <laughs> I like baby blue. <laughs> so. The place where the Lions practice is a five-mile journey from the Columbia campus, or about a hundred blocks. It's about as far north as you can go on the island of Manhattan. And the field here, it's named for an alum from the class of 63. No, not T-Pain. Even if you don't know much about football, though, you've probably heard of this guy, Robert Kraft. He's the owner of the New England Patriots. And when the Pats played their first game of the season this month, he was at the center of the stadium, holding the Vince Lombardi trophy high in the air while T-Pain sang, All I Do Is Win. The New England Patriots, all they do is win. Very different from the team that actually plays on Robert K. Kraft Field. And Harvard will pick up a shutout of Columbia for the third consecutive season today, the final score, Harvard 45, Columbia nothing. Dermot has 553 yards of total offense. Wow. Columbia has 95. Wow. A 37-14 win over Columbia. Columbia falls for the sixth straight time this season, losing on homecoming by the score of 27-7. Yale wins it today, 25-7 over Columbia. Fordham beats Columbia 49-7. By now, you may be thinking, well, that's too bad. But come on, who cares? Win, lose, it's just a game. I agree. Sports is not my thing at all. I'm a business reporter. But when I first heard what was happening at Columbia Football, I thought, there's a turnaround story, if the new coach can pull it off. Over the summer, I started talking with Columbia, and they agreed to let WNYC come in and report on this season from the inside. What the Lions are up against? It's not so unusual. Getting stuck happens. It happens in all areas of life, not just football. And getting unstuck? Well, there is no dummy's guide for that. Um, at my highest point, I was probably over 300 pounds. A lot of times you don't weigh yourself when you know you weigh a lot because you don't need to know to know. To prepare for this story, I talked with people who have experience with dramatic turnarounds. Like Jessica, she's a friend of a friend. After years of failed diets and exercise plans, she finally did lose 150 pounds. The change was so great, she eventually had surgery to remove excess skin. Jessica says her breakthrough came after she studied abroad in college. She realized when English people looked at her, what they saw was a fat American. She was about to be a senior, looking for a job. What would interviewers think? If you asked me my best qualities, I would have said I was really detail-oriented and super organized and very driven. And I don't want to feed into negative stereotypes that overweight people are lazy, but I think people have those thoughts, and I didn't want to give them the chance to have that thought about me. Powerful motivation. I also talked with David Kerp. He's an author who studies failing school districts, which somehow managed to turn it around and give their kids a solid education. Union City, New Jersey, Aldine, Texas, Montgomery County, Maryland. Kerp says in each place there was a catalyst, and the catalyst was a crisis. In, in Aldine, Texas, for example, 
the district wasn't doing well, but they have this kind of attitude, this historic attitude in many places. What can you expect from these students? And in Aldine, the crisis moment came when the businessmen in the community said, we can't hire your graduates because they can't read and they can't do math. The community said, that, that won't do. But it's shaking off that attitude that these are kids who are doomed to failure attitude. Maybe a crisis is what it takes. It needs to be said that the Lions are impressive, dedicated athletes. But it also needs to be said they have a lot of history to overcome. Over five decades, Columbia football has had just three winning seasons. Honestly, it's why this story is interesting to me. At the end of last season, the Lions got their crisis. They'd gone two whole seasons without a win. The quarterback quit, and then the coach quit. Last February, Columbia University president Lee Bollinger made a decision. This was a turning point. Every faculty member here tries to write the best book, discover the best new idea. Uh, We're all uh, people who uh, want to aspire to do the very best. And uh, we have done that uh, throughout the athletics program. Uh, We're going to do it uh, in football. A few feet away, Bollinger's answer to the crisis. Uh, So uh, it's a privilege and a pleasure for me to be here uh, and to give you Al Bagnoli. Al, welcome to Columbia. Honestly, kind of thought it was a joke at first. It was too good to be true. This is Billy Lawrence, an offensive lineman. He was a junior at the time. Very well respected. Just, I mean, he's an incredible coach. Everyone acknowledges that. Uh, Everyone knew it was always going to be a tough game going up against him. So the coach with the most wins goes to work for the team with the worst record in the league. You can hear the journalists in the room just processing this. I was just curious from your perspective, this is no nice way of saying it, did you ever wonder why Columbia was as awful as it's been for so long? Uh, I mean, is there anything, again, from an outsider's perspective. Well, again, I, I think every program, in order to improve, little things have to be solved. And it's never just one huge thing. It's a combination of little things. And I think... You know, some of these little things are being continued. Kristen Brundage announces football games for the college radio station, WKCR. She says Al Bagnoli has the perfect resume for the job. The fact of the matter is that Columbia football is in such disarray right now. It really would take a unique talent to be able to come in here, um, change the attitude of the existing players, do the recruiting that's necessary for this team to excel, um, and also appeal to the alumni enough to gain the support that's necessary for this team to compete. That sounds like a miracle worker. <laughs> I mean, and like the thing is, like Albert Noli's probably the closest thing you're going to get to a miracle worker. Maybe that's how this plays out. Maybe not. There's still 10 games to play. Do you guarantee a victory next season? Uh, no. I learned a long time ago, we're, we're never to get in the prediction business. You know, that's, it's never healthy. Al Bagnoli has now been working with the 2015 Lions for about four weeks, and he's made a few obvious changes. He moved practice from the early mornings to the afternoons. He says he wants practice to be fun again, so it's open to the public, and sometimes they play music. And I have to say, sitting up in the bleachers, it's beautiful to watch. You look down on the field... And it's like schools of shimmery blue and white fish dispersing and regrouping when the horn sounds. But this is serious. Come on, come on, come on, we gotta get better at this. Come on, come on, 
Bagnoli's method on the field is to take an interest in everything that happens. When we put a mic on him, I was shocked to realize he spends so much of practice just talking with the quarterbacks, with the kickers, with the assistant coaches. Coach always carries a folded sheaf of paper in one hand. I realize these are notes made yeah. for you, but can you decode a little bit of it for uh, me? Yeah, I mean, it's a simple stuff. Okay, just, you know, when we're in punt, for example, okay, we've got to move the ball on the hash because we have target areas for the kickers, okay? We've got to get to our next block 15 seconds early. So, so many little things. If it were just okay, one thing, change would be easy. Is, so we know the tempo of practice, all stuff like that. And we've got like a page of those notations. Means nothing to you. It's like Greek to you guys. Well, I can read it. There is one big decision Al Bagnoli has to make fast. This is where I want to bring in my producer, Matt Collette. Hey, Ilya. Matt, let's talk about quarterbacks. Why is this decision so important? If Al Bagnoli is rebuilding a business, if he's the CEO, the quarterback is his right hand man, the number two guy. Al Bagnoli is the big picture. The quarterback is all about execution. He's the. Spock to his Kirk, the Leo McGarry to his President Bartlett. What Al Bagnoli needs to do is find someone that doesn't really know the job and doesn't really know how he plays football and mold him into an extension, almost a, a third arm, a second brain. Find that talent and then polish it, polish it, polish it till it shines. Precisely. There are three guys. One of them is going to be the next quarterback. Okay, well, let's walk through them. Uh, the first one... Trevor McDonough, number seven. He was the quarterback last year, but really mostly because last year's quarterback quit halfway through the season. But still, he's the only guy who's been a starting quarterback for the Lions, so that's got to count for something. It's his job to lose. Next guy, Skylar Mornenweg. Number eight. He's a transfer from the University of Florida. He's got football in his blood. His dad is a coach for the Baltimore Ravens. But there's a little bit of mystery about this guy because he's a transfer. Like Nobody he... really knows him. The upperclassmen all kind of know each other. They've done spring practice together. They practiced last year. He's a new guy. Okay, finally, there's Anders Hill, number 12. He's a sophomore from Colorado. And when we talked to him, he said, sure, it's a competition. The coaches are going to put the person out there who's best for the team and who's going to uh, win games, so whoever that is, that's going to be okay with me, and we just want to win games no matter who that is. He's the youngest guy, so he has the most to learn, but he's also, in a way, has the most potential for Bagnoli because he has three years ahead of him. This is sort of a long-term investment. Put in time now, if it works, he could be the quarterback for three more years. On the other hand, maybe don't make him a starter right now. Just hold him in reserve. He's talent that you're going to develop. Yeah, he's like The Apprentice. <laughs> Like The Apprentice of the TV show or like The Sorcerer's Apprentice? Like The Sorcerer's Apprentice. Like if something happens to The Sorcerer, this guy's ready. Now I'm just seeing broomsticks carrying boom, buckets boom, of water. Boom, 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 boom. <laughs> Somewhere in Philadelphia, there's a glass case full of trophies, marking Coach Al Bagnoli's amazing career at Penn. Last year, when he retired from the Quakers, Bagnoli was celebrated. He told everyone, this is it. I'm done. But one year later, he's in the middle of Kraft Field. He lasted exactly 92 days at a desk job. The man cannot not coach football. One of my former mentors put it best when I said, Coach, what, what do you miss the most when you retired? And he said, I miss the conflict. And that was really a good way to put it. He misses the conflict. And that's what it is. You know, when you deal with 110 kids, there's always conflict. So it's, it's fun that way. The sun is making long shadows now, and the heat of the day is dissolving. 
Coach Bagnoli motions for his men to gather. He tells them, You're too slow to get out of the locker room and onto the field. Showing up 30 seconds before the whistle, not good. Take care of all the details. Take care of Little things matter. Little things add up. Little things make difference. And he has an announcement. It's the three team captains for this season. Two of them you've already met, Nick Durham and Cam Molina. The third is Chad Washington. Here's Cam. Up, man. Countdown begins. Get your shit done. We go bowl out. Where my squad at? Squad! Ten weeks, ten chances to win. Ten more episodes of the season. Next week, the Lions' first game against the Fordham Rams, a team that recently muscled up big time. We'll explore what you learn from losing, and we'll find out which quarterback Coach Bagnoli sends onto the field to lead the team. By the way, don't let us keep you in suspense. Go ahead, check the score, and find us at wnyc.org slash the season. The Season is produced by Matt Collette and mixed by Casey Means. The editors are Karen Frillman, Sean Bowditch, and Charlie Herman. Thanks to Paula Schumann, Lee Hill, Delaney Simmons, Jen Shu, Amy Pearl, Theodora Kuslin, Sahara Baharlu, and Simon Lehrer. Jim Schachter is WNYC's vice president for news. Some of the music you've heard was recorded by the Columbia University Marching Band in WNYC's Jerome L. Greenspace. I'm Ilya Meritz. Thank you for listening. 